welcome back to another edition of 3D Traders, where we give you our insight on the market with our three different perspectives. We have Everson, my co-host for today. I'm Patrick. We have Everson from Hawaii. He's our master of the momentum trades. And the other guy, he doesn't even need to be introduced. So let's move on to the first thing we have to talk about, which is, remember guys, this show is for entertainment purposes only. You cannot take everything we say to a letter. You have to interpret it. And anytime you have doubts, just consult one of the licensed professionals. The show is for entertainment purposes. Don't sue us, bro. Um, now we have to introduce Max. He's our co-host. He's a chart master, and the reason why I said that little joke is because he saw <laughs> he saw something this week that made him laugh, and I yeah. promised him that I would do it. You want to tell us real I, I, quick? I, I was on a webinar, and uh, this this man is is famous. Everybody knows him. He's a a a guru of his industry, and so he's being introduced by someone. Uh, I don't even know who the guy was, but he's like, hey, you know what? This guy doesn't even need an introduction. Everybody knows him. Here he is. Didn't even <laughs> say his name. The guy shows up on the webinar and he just goes, okay. And he just starts his presentation. I thought it was so funny. All right, guys. So we have a pretty, we've had an amazing week. I think everyone did well, yeah. probably our listeners too. But there's still some roadblocks and challenges that everyone faces. So why don't we all start by talking about what we saw this week and how we did. Everson, why don't you give us, I think you had a pretty big week, so. I did a lot. I did a don't lot pat yourself week. on um, the back too much, but come no, on, tell I'm us not, about it. Because I, I didn't do any trades really. I I mean, I had a lot of positions. I take that back, I did. I, I, I put in some <laughs> trades. Uh, I, you know, when you get a, when you get a good call sign or when you get a good uh, bull market rally, um, you know, I, I think it was four o'clock, three o'clock here, no, it was about three o'clock here. And, you know, <clears throat> once the news started coming out and everything, uh, you know, we all, we all get text, uh, get texting, you know, at that point. And you could literally buy anything. You could literally buy anything and, and probably had made money, uh, on a, on a bull market day. But with that being said, um, AMD, I, I did Triple D, I did uh, TGI, um, and I did Boeing is the stocks that I picked up uh, on the day. But, you know, who, who's to say that it's, it's just, you know, it's just a one-time thing and, and we get we get turbulence next week. So I, I don't know what to expect, but as far as the sentiment moving forward, I, I really feel good about the market. Um, I still practice having a safety net so i still have I, i'm still losing money with my puts and, and all of that um, but like i said that's just an insurance policy for me so no matter yeah. what happens you just want to have something in the back pocket and so that's kind of like how i set myself up for the week is to have a little bit of insurance and i i bought in strong with those companies i've mentioned yeah that's really good and everson you pointed out something that i want everyone to really pay attention to i mean let's be honest the market last week made a lot of people look like geniuses, right? But don't get too cocky. No, there's, a saying, there's a saying Keep that clear. rising tides raise all ships. You could literally have bought almost anything and made money. So 
don't think that you're like the genius, the pro of investing. Keep right. plugging along and like being safe and following your strategy. But you know, right. often it goes up, but it's going to pull back too. So don't get too cocky. What about you, Max? Oh, I thought you were singling me out, you know, because <laughs> my head was getting so big. But uh, so last week was really interesting. It's a very good week, or it was a very good week for the Delta traders. Um, the Theta traders might have been a little bit behind in terms of profit percentages. Um, but, you know, that's not what the Theta traders are there for. So I was just collecting my rent on silver. And what's interesting is, uh, you know, I get recommendations from from Everson and Patrick all the time. And he gave me the recommendation of JD looking for a pop. And so I was actually analyzing the chart and our, so our visions align properly. So I, I, I made the trade and what was interesting is, so it sort of retreated on me. So what I did is I, I lowered my, my sold position, recoup a little bit of money, money that way. And as it re, uh, retreated some more, what I did is I flipped it. So I turned it in from a Delta position into a theta position. And so that's where I made that money. So, um, I didn't capitalize on my 80% return on, on the trade uh, because I was looking for the 100. So I got greedy. Like we talk about all the time, the pigs get slaughtered. But I just did the uh, the flip and collected a little bit of theta and had fun with it. So thank you, Everson, for that. That was fun. <laughs> nice. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that was basically my week. Uh, silver, some JD. Um, and then just exploring some of the sectors. Yeah. Yeah, and on my hand, it mixed bag a little bit because since in the past few weeks remember on the show i talked a lot about uh always hedging my position and stuff like that so this week i had uh stocks and options that went up but i also had stocks and options that went down kind of capped it so for example as i mentioned before i have investments in xle but i i have a covered call that's really buried now so even though the stock went up significantly during the week, well, the uh, covered call on it loses value. So it kind of balances it out. So I didn't make as much as I possibly could have. So I'm a little bit disappointed about that. But see, that's the thing we talked about last week. I mentioned that right now my goal is to stick to my strategies and I'm not as worried about the results monetarily. Of course, profit is good, but as long as I stick to my principles and good risk versus reward, I achieve what I'm looking for. So that was my week. I mean, I didn't do anything really special. The Every stock that I had just went up naturally and moving on from there. So I just want us to talk about the market rally in general. We, everyone here did pretty well, but since the market went up so much, Unemployment was a very nice surprise. Well, where's the opportunities now? Because a lot of these stocks are hitting new 52 weeks high, and in a lot of cases, even all-time highs. So, Max, what do you think about this? Like, where what can we do right now? And like, where's the market in terms of uh, the rally? Uh, so, to be honest, I always shun uh, being in cash, uh, especially right now, just because of all the inflation we're receiving. But this one time, I'm going to say, you know, stay into your saving account positions where you're collecting theta, whatever it is with that cash, just because I'm not exactly sure what's happening in the market. Uh, if you're looking at the SPY, um, it's it's sort of approaching a resistance, but it's still pretty far away. But if you're looking at the sectors, 
uh, they're very close to the resistance. In fact, if you're looking at the utility sector, it's right by the resistance. Uh, so I would wait to see on Monday if we break through that resistance, and that would give me a clear sign to get in uh, by position and be very bullish. Now, if the market retreats, it shows that the resistance on most of the sectors is very strong. I get bearish. So as of right now, this doesn't usually happen, but I'm on the sidelines. See, I don't see it the same way. I kind of expect it to retreat a little bit just because of there was such a big increase in the pre previous week that I find it naturally there is going to be some profit taking. I don't see anything more than that. I expect the rest of the week to be mostly in the green. I think you kind of agree with me, Everson? I think so. I think we could even see a sideways uh, trade. So, I, we, you know, we were talking about that and um, earlier in the pre-show. Uh, maybe, maybe we should do like a special thing where we allow people to see our pre-show. <laughs> that, that's where the money is. I don't know if we can do that. Wait, how, how much are people paying like for a... this show right here? Because the pre-show would be twice that. Right. Yeah, it's a high... It, it's it, 25 bucks goes each way, you know, a uh, total of 100 bucks, 25 bucks goes to our production, $25 to each of us. If you want to be in the pre-show, it's $100 to let us know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We just determined that now. No, I'm just kidding. But kind of not. But as far as uh, your question <laughs> that you asked, so it was kind of interesting that you were mentioning that. And as, as you were talking, it brought up perspectives on me analyzing my own production and, and my own productivity as I moved to the market. Um, you know, I look at one of my portfolios because what I like to do is I like to, to build portfolios of about maybe $10,000. Um, and, you know, I'm getting ready to, to cut the head off, if you would, of one of the portfolios because it's getting too big. But I, I just thought about maybe even changing my, my philosophy up into uh, $20,000 portfolios and just build it from there so I can, you know, eventually start to J trade on those. But besides the point, when I'm looking at the, the regain in the charts, I have one portfolio that's a flat growth, another portfolio that's a V-shaped recovery, another that's a U-shaped recovery. So I need to go back and take a look at what I have in those portfolios and really begin to analyze them to see why do I have such different trends on all of them and where my mind was at at the time that I created these, these trending stocks and why they react the way they do. On, uh, with that being said, everything is on the upside, just to throw that in there, but just to be able to un understand, you know, how everything goes. So as far as the markets moving forward for next week, I really do think that next week we're going to see kind of the same as, as what you said, Patrick, that that growth, maybe even a sideways, though, I'm thinking. I don't I don't see it necessarily to be a down day. The only way that I see it maybe being being a down week would be if the the Fed scale back and the institutions scale back on putting funds into the market just to see how the uh, the the regular traders like you and I um, would would do it or your viewers out there um, and just to see how they would do it and maybe if you need that encouragement they they bring in that stimulus from the institution of spending and all of that to be able to just flood the market. Or, like you said, you know, people take profit and it goes down for a little bit. But I really don't see it being a down week. I really like that. And I want to have Max's opinion. But my theory, I developed this theory this past week where 
Remember, for the past few months, actually since the pandemic started, a lot of hedge funds, a lot of very influential people on CNBC and everything, uh, on some of the bigger investment websites, they always said that they were very skeptical of the recovery and they were staying on the sidelines and everything. So what I'm thinking is, okay, the SPY went from 220 to 320. Yes, we know a lot of it is from the government injecting trillions of dollars in the market, but how can they justify to their clients staying on this, their sidelines? Like one of the big influential guy uh, mentioned that they're, they downscaled from 55% of their portfolio to 25% of their portfolio in stocks. Well, this is one of the biggest market rally that we've seen. So how could they justify to their clients being on the sidelines right now where everyone is making money and over fist? Um, I don't think they necessarily do that, though. I don't think they necessarily stay on the sidelines. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. I think they get into bonds, a lot of them. Yeah, but that's exactly what I'm aiming at is now it's going to be very hard for them to sell that to their clients. So I feel like they're going to have to go back into the market. So even right. though it's already gone up tremendously back to 320, I think that short term, there's not a lot of uh, momentum to go back down. Like these guys that are on sidelines, they kind of have to get into the market. What do you think, Max? So, yeah, I agree. I, I really feel like the market's going to pop to, uh, you know, if, if we're talking about the SPY from 420 to 540, depending on how conservative you are. But I, I'm just looking at more smaller trends to see when's the good time to come into the market. Because if it starts retracing uh, on the SPY, then it would hit that support and see if it holds that support. To me, that would be a great buying opportunity. Now, if it goes up on Monday, then I would look at some of the sectors that I mentioned, like utilities and discretionary um, sector, and then get into those positions because I feel like they're going to pop as soon as they cross that resistance. Um, but now there is a lot of money on the sidelines. And, and so what, like Everson was talking about, you know, getting into bonds, to me, when money's in bonds and other vehicles other than the stock market, but it, it used to belong to the stock market, I consider that sideline money. And what's interesting is um, when we were at the peak of 2008, I, um, I just want to say this real quick, 2008, we were at 65% of households invested in the stock market. Now, at the peak that we had, uh, I believe, in January or so before the crash, we were at 55%. And actually, the administration was trying to bring it back up to 63 But with this crash, we are down to 53%. So there's still even more money on the sidelines ready to come in. Yeah, I mean, I don't doubt, like you said, short term, there might be a little retracement. I mean, it would make sense. Um, people taking profits out, it's gone up so quickly. But we're talking about like three months, six months, unless there's a huge event, like a big reoccurrence of the virus. I personally think that even though I've been bearish for months, right, I'm still skeptical. But there's just so much momentum forward that, you know, you have to analyze it. And what else can I think I say? So hey, I have a you... question real quick. I'm sure. sorry, Patrick, to interject. But um, now, Everson, especially since you're probably our biggest Delta trader on the show, are you excited to see the price of your options going down just because the volatility is going down so you can enter a position cheaper than you used to three, four, five weeks ago? 
Well, I mean, some stocks aren't aren't too cheap. Uh, I forgot what stock it was, uh, but last week, I'm trying to think of. Okay, so there's one stock that I was trying to get into, and it even on the one week it was trading like at four hundred dollars. Uh, I to me that's pretty expensive for it to uh, on, on a close proximity, you know, just just a week away that it trade at four hundred dollars. So I just I, I never got in. So I think that. Some of these stocks have have. I'm wondering if some of the it is priced in already. Uh, if part parts of the rally has already been priced in, because yeah. if it's already been priced in, then we're looking at a different dynamic moving forward, right? Um, and I kind of get this price in effect by looking at that, looking at the the way they adjust the option trade, you know. Whereas we all know that the, when the momentum is starting to go downwards or upwards, doesn't matter what the direction is. It's usually cheaper when you start to flip it um, elsewhere. But when it's common knowledge of that particular stock to be moving 20, 30 percent because it's just the, that volatility alone, they would price action that out to be uh, just just too out of range for me. And I don't, I don't want to touch it. So um, oh. a lot of the stocks, I know you're going to hate me, Max, AMD. AMD has always been a, a, a pretty good number, and it's actually looking like to, to myself, it's actually looking like a, it, it's, it's good numbers. I mean, it, it's close to the money. And so I, I look for opportunity where, you know, stocks have been overbeat, and it, it has, yeah. like you were saying earlier, the chance to grow. Perfect opportunity to jump into those stocks. Um, you know me and dividend plays. I like to to play it safe sometimes. So, yeah. uh, it, it's sorry, Patrick. I, I just wanted to get his opinion because I'm looking at the VIX and it's dropped significantly. So yeah, I didn't absolutely. know if yeah. you guys had experienced cheaper entry points with your options. Sorry, yeah, it's all over the place. No, that's a very I good point. Just for yeah. people that are newer, when the VIX is low, which means like the volatility, it's usually a better to buy options because. <laughs> When it, Max talked about it when he gave the example, was it the AP Max? Was it <laughs> what what's down must come up and what's up must come down at some point? Yeah, Vega traders. You like, know that man. it's low now, so there's only basically one direction that it can go eventually <laughs> is back up, right? So that's basically the principle. So if you want to buy options, that's potentially one of the better times, but. Just to make sure that everyone knows, I I'm, I mentioned that I'm pretty bullish on the stock market again, but I want everyone to understand that with reservations in the sense of we've had three to five years of very good growth in six weeks. So you know what I mean? Like you have to be careful still. It's not always going to go back up. I personally think that we're kind of like in 1999 where the market is very inflated. But that doesn't mean that it's going down tomorrow. You know, there's still momentum upward. The only thing that I can warn you about is not to be cold, uh, caught holding the bag when eventually it bursts. But when that is, I have no idea. No one here so, knows. So wait a minute. Everston, did you hear this? I think um, Patrick just said he's still a rainbow bear, but he's masquerading <laughs> as a bull for now. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much. So that leads us to talk about where are the opportunities right now? Because a lot of these stocks crossed their 52 weeks high 
and a lot of them are actually past their all-time highs. So a lot of the stocks that I would have been interested in, you know, not at those prices. Like the recovery was so quick that in a lot of stocks, it feels like we kind of missed the boat. So where do you guys actually see opportunities? Max, you like the utilities. I kind of disagree, but what's your take on it? Well, so I'm saying that the utilities are right at their resistance. If we have an update on Monday, it's going to be a great entry point to get in just because the resistance is going to be so much higher. The strongest sector, which I'm sure we all agree on, uh, is the tech sector. If you look at the tech sector, it's almost back at its all-time high, which is very strong. And so if it crosses its all-time high, now it has no ceiling and it can create its next high from that point. It could be very bullish. I'm just talking about look at Monday and Tuesday uh, utilities. If you're looking for a bigger picture, wait for that tech sector to cross its, uh, its all-time high, and that's going to be a good entry point. What about you, Everson? Like, what do you think uh, is, where, where should people look right now? Because a lot of stuff is so overpriced. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I'd say look at the numbers a little bit as far as the reopening of the government. And I, I like to look at the news on even when, what's going on with the riots and all of that. Yeah. Not so much the peaceful riots, but when it starts to get extreme, um, you know, I, I've seen Starbucks being, you know, a lot of Starbucks stores being damaged. Uh, stupid, but uh, they they damaged the uh, Apple stores. They took the Apple products. Uh, just for your, your viewers out there, anybody that had actually broken into the stores, they will track those devices so they can shut it down or whatever. So it, it's not a good thing. Airlines. I think airlines will do well uh, moving forward. I think it got uh, uh, room to grow. Uh, I think more people will end up traveling, so it looks good for them. So airlines and rental cars. Yeah. Actually, that's one of the things that I had a theory about, like Patrick and his theories, right? So I wanted <laughs> to have you guys' opinion. <sighs> a lot of his talks already crossed their 52 weeks high. So I'm looking for, well, what's the next best thing? And if you remember one of the first episodes that we actually had, I mentioned that I'm looking for stocks that add, uh, when there was this small uptick for before the news got really bad, there was a small uptick. And some of the stocks that had been hit the most are the ones that went up very quickly like the airlines, as uh, Everson mentioned. So I'm thinking now, well, what is the next best thing? Is it the stocks that haven't fully regained what they lost in the market? And Max and I had a little bit of a disagreement on this. For example, what, what do I mean by that? Well, if you look like at a stock like Hasbro, for example, which makes kids' toys and stuff like that, uh, Nerve Guns, I believe, uh, Magic the Gathering, stuff like that, you know, kid-oriented products. Well, at their... <laughs> Shut up. At their peak, the stock was at 126. At the low, it was 40, low 40s, 41, 43, something like that. And now it's at $80. So 
if we look at it this way, it only regained 50% of what it lost. Well, is that a better opportunity than a stock that went from 50 to 100, where before the crash, it was at 90? So we have a little bit of a, we can make the case both ways. I view it as maybe the ones that I haven't fully recovered yet are a better play. Max seems to think that not necessarily. So how do you view this? So, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from to see that the P ratios for some of the best companies in the sectors might be getting too expensive. But there's a reason why Hasbro hasn't recovered as quickly as the other companies. Why? Because it's not as good. It doesn't have the same market share. It doesn't have the great uh, same growth potential. So be careful. Just because it looks cheaper, there's a reason it's cheaper and it's not recovering as quickly. No, absolutely, for sure. My theory about that is we have proof that people were willing to invest in it at 120. So now that it's at 80, there's a very good possibility that it can go back up. Like it's done it before, as opposed to some of these uh, companies that are just reaching their all-time high. You're right. I mean, it's there's no ceiling now. It can go up more, but we don't really have knowledge about that like you always mention that you're reacting well you can't re really react you don't even know what the resistance is going to be anymore uh oh Emerson, you at, gotta be the tiebreaker well, when i look at the pe ratio right it said a 23.49 percent pe ratio it's got a dividend of 3.53 percent um i know this perspective on Robinhood. uh at least they have 19 analysts that rates it as a 68 percent no one's selling this stock i don't know why you would um, and 32% as a whole. Um, the Morning Star rating gives it a four star. It's a narrow economic, uh, I guess, with, with its growth. A fair, fair value would probably be price point at $89 per share. It's a medium uncertainty, and the stewardship of the company is about a standard stewardship. However, they are losing um, earnings. But it's not to a point where they're not making earnings. So they still are able to make earnings. It's just how much of a value uh, would, would Hasbro be? I mean, like, you know, like you said, I, they're, they're into uh, kids' products and all of that stuff. But I think it's more than just kids. I think it's collectibles also. But more importantly, um, I'm looking at their uh, digital licensing. Um, that's... That's, I, I believe that's like the next transfer, transformation of their operation is the digital side of things. So, you know, with 5,000 or about maybe 6,000 employees, this, this seems like it's a, an okay hold for me. Um, but as far as opportunity moving forward, I mean, may, maybe, but I... Let me just I, I, I extrapolate know. that. Let, let's just extrapolate. Forget Asbro. I'm talking about, in okay. general, <laughs> companies like... No, no, what I mean is we talked about uh, RCL before, CCL, uh, those companies that were really hit hard. I mean, Carnival right. is at 21, 22. Their peak was in the 50s. You know what I mean? So there's... Yes, there's more uh, risk to it, Maybe they, it's going to take a year before they're back to full strength. But my point was, the, the questioning that I was bringing is, does it have more room to expand than some of the other companies? Right. Because right. it's at 20%, no, 40% of where 
its top was a few months ago. It's in that regard. So I forget one specific company. I extrapolate that to that type of stock. Okay. All right. Let let me let me make my point here, and you guys will know how serious I am because of the stock I'm going to use. I might throw up a little bit just mentioning it, but this is how serious I am. If you're going to go into stocks that haven't recovered as quickly, you know, like you're talking about RCL and all those, there's a reason why they're not coming back. Why? Because uh, they're not going to be back in full business as quickly as other companies. If right. you're if you're looking for a quick return and you're talking about holding a stock for a year just to get back to even, Look at AMD. AMD will rise quicker than a cruise stock. And uh, what is it hurts me to here? say that. Yeah, I, I mean, it hurts what's, me what's to what's say going that. AMD, like, what, what's going hey. on with you guys? I, I'm I, bearish I on AMD, today. and Max is bullish. I, what the heck is going I, on? I just had... And look at this. I'm drinking tea. You can't see it, but I'm drinking tea. What's going on here? No, I just had to, <laughs> to show how serious I am. So... If, if you want to go back to Hasbro, I know you were talking about, hey, you know, let's not talk about Hasbro specifically. Let's talk about general ideas. But I just want to pinpoint there's a reason why Hasbro is not recovering as quickly. And if you're you were talking about the highs above 120. But if you're looking at the chart, uh, Hasbro is symbol HAS. I'm looking on a uh, weekly chart just to see a bigger picture. Your highs was actually a double top. Um, Let's see. This was uh, July and October was a double top. So it actually started dropping before COVID-19 happened. And it's been doing uh, lower highs and lower lows ever since. Now, it has recovered a little bit. But it's the reason why it's not recovering as quickly as the other stocks is because it was already on the decline. And like Everson was talking about, the fundamentals are flawed. So I'm not just talking about Hasbro specifically. I'm talking about all the stocks that haven't recovered as quickly uh, as the best stocks right now. There's a reason because they're not getting back to business as quickly as those A-plus stocks. Let's just call them that. Or there's something flawed in the fundamentals that's not allowing inv uh, investors to be as confident with them. You know, what's, when I look at this stock, though, uh, if I could uh, talk about this real quick. So when I look at Hasbro and I do a comparison with Hasbro to Mattel, right? Mattel sucks. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. My personal belief, Mattel sucks. They don't even have a PE ratio. They, they don't have <laughs> earnings. They don't have a dividend. They're trading at $10.50 uh, per share. Now, high level of uncertainty. But yet Morningstar gives it a five-star rating. So I, I don't like either of them but if i had to choose between a stock like disney mattel hasbro and maybe activision i i may actually just choose either i i might choose hasbro or activision to be honest i mean i know that activision has a very low um low yield but t ratios at 34 34.40 it's a it's an 82% buy rating from 32 analysts, and you know 3% sell rating, 15% hold. Um, I know it doesn't give the greatest strength of earnings, but it's beat its expectation in the first quarter with earnings. It's actual it's actual earnings. So, and I only say this because of this: we are now moving into more of a digital world. 
and we're leaving the card games and the monopoly pieces and things like that behind. I mean, do we still have a gathering and a following for that? Yeah, we, we do. But what store do you go in to get that? Like, is someone going to a store specifically to get that? And of course, you could order them online. Um, Plus, you got to wear a mask now to interact with other people. And... Right. So, I mean, with the, with the digital world, realm, the digital world, it's a lot more convenient and easier for, for us to be able to do that. So, I mean, top three picks out, out of everything. I'd, I'd be a I'd be a buyer looking into Disney. I'd, I'd look into Hasbro, but I may put Hasbro above all of this. It's interesting that you brought that up because well, you know you Hasbro go. is not not too far off. But I'd give Hasbro a buy recommendation for a short term move. Actually, it's getting like to be two versus one on about everything now. Because I because I, I actually uh, like I, I I actually like your opinion on hairlines. Um, Everson, I think that that's the thing is it doesn't matter what I think. What matters is people are willing right now to pour money into it. I mean, Royal Caribbean hasn't sailed for two, three months and their stock has more than doubled. Carnival went from bottom at eight and is now above 20. People are willing to put their money in it. So it doesn't matter what I think. It, it, does, it doesn't even matter if they're sailing or not. The only matter is people right now are willing to throw money at it. So why not catch the wave while it's coming up ever since analogy and before it starts coming down, get out of it, take your quick profits and move on to something else. That's just the way I see it for the short term. Max, do you agree or disagree? I disagree. I mean, so I understand that you're going into discretionary stocks and, and uh, you know, they're valid, although they're very close to resistance. But this resistance is not close to its all-time high. Like I said before, the best sector is the tech sector. And I I'm going to give you guys some knowledge right here. Apple. Apple just broke its all-time high. And it's actually going to announce very soon its, uh, its internet service for $4.99 using satellites. So they're going to be unmatched in and they're creating their own industry. So Verizon and all the other uh, internet services are going to get screwed. There's no way they compete with 499. So, they're so going to get amazing market too. share. And yeah, it, and so they're going to be competing. And not only that, but it sounds like Apple might be able to use the satellites, the 60,000 satellites that Tesla put out there. So they might be a really? joint venture there. But if I'm looking at the Apple um, chart right now, it broke its all-time high. You have the SPY that's about, it, it just broke its support, uh, resistance, I'm sorry. So I feel like Apple is a great buying opportunity because the stock says it's good, the fundamentals say it's good, and the news says it's good. Guys, just so you remember, we're not advising you to buy Apple. This is just what we think about the stocks and what we're thinking about doing. But Max, one thing really interesting about that is... You're very coherent with your positions because over the course of this show, you have always mentioned pick the best in one sector. And now you're mentioning Apple, which is leading in its little corner of the sector and other really strong technological companies. A lot of people believe in Fang, right? Which is Facebook, Apple, uh, Netflix, uh, Alphabet. And what's the other one? I'm missing Google. one, but you get you get the idea. Google. Like the really Google, no, that's Alphabet, but the really big tech companies. Oh. Um, well, so well, a so lot. 
Wait, right. let me just correct real quick. Uh, I don't want to ruin your momentum, Patrick, but so it used to be called Fang because the G was Google. Yeah. Now they have actually renamed it. They've, and so Google is no longer a G. It's an A for alphabet. Ah, there you go. So anyway, so my point was that a lot of money has poured into those as the tech stocks went up and people find a lot of safety in it because they're the best. But now you're bringing Apple as an example that, you know, it still has room to grow because they're starting new enterprises. But do you feel like they're going, not just that one specific one, but in general, do you feel like they're going to reach a plateau? Like it's all the money can't forever go into those five companies. Is that for me? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're hey, right. You're the hey. one. You're the one who brought up Apple. You're the you're the big stock guy now. Big uh, big stocks. So so there is a reason <laughs> why these these companies are are the top, the A plus companies. Um, Amazon right. is basically uh, starting to own the world. That's why Elon Musk is going to Mars so that he could own his own planet because Amazon's just taking over. In fact. I think Amazon is now going to start competing with uh, against Tesla in electrical uh, vehicles because they're they're um, buying a uh, electrical car uh, truck company and actually they're going to compete um, in in the the space race as well. But well, the reason why Elon these companies are doing so well is because they'll fight. Yeah. They did. So, huh? yeah. Exactly. And so there's that, you know, back and forth going on there. But a Apple right now is is well run. They're tra they're transitioning from physical sales like their iPhones. They're noticed that the market is saturated. Their iterations of iPhones is not as big and drastic where it doesn't make sense to get the newest phone. So over the past three years, they've been transitioning into membership subscription based income. And if you're looking at their balance sheet, you're going to see that their subscription base has become more and more uh, a more uh, prominent part of their income, which makes it more stable and less reliable on their sales. This is giving them capital. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm venting for a long time here, but it's giving them capital to expand their reach. And this is perfect for them to uh, to explore into the Internet base, because at four ninety nine, they're going to be untouchable. Uh, I'm not sure how they're going to be able to price it down at that point because you're dealing with satellites and high technology 5G. Um, it's going to be more expensive per, uh, for that than um, than 4.99 per household. But we'll see how they make it work. That's what they're they're talking about. Hey, Everson, we're going to go right to you, but I just want to point out Max, excellent value that you just provided, and that's one really smart thing that you're mentioning is that those leaders a lot of times you know how they try to expand in 10 different directions and all of them fail but those bigger ones like apple uh, facebook google they try different markets and they seem to be successful in a lot of them so their potential isn't capped like smaller less well-run companies would be yeah they'll buy something and it's not always going to work but a lot of the things that you <laughs> mentioned no but i mean obviously not all of their purchases are going to work but if you think of a company like yahoo think about how many projects that they bought and it completely crashed and they never really you know they lost market share over time because none of the projects that they started actually succeeded not the same with apple with um Google and with Facebook. So that's a really good value that you brought there. What about you, Everson? Like, what do you see about this topic? 
Um, so just to clarify, we're we're on the topic about talking about the five G move, or, or we just tackle the whole thing. Well, we were talking about what the right opportunities are, and I was talking about more smaller stocks that didn't really recover as well. Max was talking about the leaders are leaders for a reason, and where right. do you situate yourself? Like you, you're you're the master of investing in really obscure stocks that we've never heard of. So give us our your 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 perspective. I mean, there's just so many strategies, right? Like, I mean, you're always making money somewhere. You're always making money somewhere. And it's really a determination in yourself to be able to uh, decide where you would want to make that money in. I mean, uh, right now is a perfect opportunity for pharmaceutical companies to be able to make money. But many people, when they get into pharmaceutical companies, are telling one of my clients this, is that you... Uh, you need to know the industry. You need to know that, um, you know, certain industries, they're trade industries, certain industries, they're investment industries. So you stay along with them. Uh, some people get enticed by high dividends and not realize that the high dividend is just to try and see if you can get in there. But uh, a lot of people lose value because they, they're, they're just, uh, just the shifts in the, in the volatility in the market shifts them out. Uh, obviously, these companies aren't just going to pay you high dividends and you can just coast it all the way through. You may get fortunate in some situations where you're able to and allowed to uh, be able to do that. But they really, uh, one stock that I'll mention, Patrick, you and I experienced was uh, ORC. ORC on Friday pops 5%, all up to 5%. It was, a, it was a nice rally. I think it might have even gone higher than 5%. But what happens later is yeah. near the closing of the stock, it drops all the way down to negative. So, it, you know, these institutions, these banks and everything, uh, the, the uh, people who own the stock, um, it's just two different variations of uh, where you position yourself and getting into a stock, right? As far as those big, uh, big companies that uh, Max has talked about, Apple and Tesla, uh, I personally did not know about the move that was gearing uh, with the satellite and everything like that. But uh, I, all the I insider on information on this show. No, 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 not at all. No insider. <laughs> no insider. No, that's no. right. Okay. <laughs> I know um, nothing. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, I like those companies. I like, I like American businesses. Uh, it, it, you know, it keeps us as, as a number one industry. And you know, nowhere in the world would I would rather live on uh, than the number one industries, uh, where the number one industries are. But as far as uh, Amazon, Apple, and Tesla, I mean, when you got that kind of money to throw around, I mean, when you have $100 billion at your discretion, you can basically buy any small business out. Why wouldn't you want to go with those big contenders? But at the same time, you know, that's in a process of being made. It is true that, you know, 5G is a billion-dollar tech, uh, tech move. Um, and a lot of phones are in 5G uh, currently. And so, you know, I don't know if Apple has released their 5G technology phones, but I know that my, uh, my, my phone isn't showing that it's at 5G. And I have friends that their phones are showing that it is at 5G. So I, I'm going to buy into that technology. So I, I, see, I see maybe a growth in the 5G. Uh, definitely, if they release that kind of Internet where you could buy it and it's exclusive for, you know, everyone. That's definitely a, a, a buying opportunity. 
but and, and still have when some... I say four ninety nine, I'm not talking four hundred and ninety nine dollars. <laughs> I'm talking about four dollars ninety nine cents. I mean, can you guys afford that? Yeah, that's yeah. a great opportunity, but that's probably operating at a lower uh, speed, right? That's five. I don't know. I don't... That's five G speeds. Let's, so let's it's not fully goes. announced yet. Um, the announcement date, I think it's in July or so, but uh, we'll get more information then. Well, yeah, definitely. Maybe, maybe now is the Apple. time to see which companies are going to actually lose value if that comes to be. I'm talking about Verizon and stuff like that if they're not prepared for that shift. Right, right, right. But guys, uh, we're getting TV. into, sorry, Everson, I don't mean to cut you off, but we're reaching close to the end. I want us to answer uh, one of the viewers' questions, which would be, what's the difference between the NASDAQ, QQQ, the symbol, and XLK? Uh, who wants to go first? Everson, do you want to do question? And XLK, I know nothing about these, except for okay. QQQ. Uh, Everson, you don't know about the NASDAQ. Okay, let's go on to Max. Max, <laughs> tell us how no, it's no, uh, Everson, Everson, tell us about the NASDAQ. What is the NASDAQ? Yeah, no, I do know about the NASDAQ. Um, <laughs> I, I know about the tech, tech companies, but um, I, I haven't, meaning that I haven't really researched too much about like the QQQ and the uh, XLK. Um, I don't know too much about how the, those patterns are running, but I, I know that they're at levels where... Uh, they're pretty high. I mean, a lot of these companies pushing high, high resistance. Everson, levels, so. Everson, question yeah. is, what is the NASDAQ? Oh, what is the NASDAQ? The NASDAQ is a, a group of different companies that, uh, tech companies, they're, they're all technology companies. All right. Okay. So it's an, in this, I don't know how you say it in English. Okay. It's basically a number that represents the value of all these companies that are listed. Indexes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yes, an index. And I think uh, Everson talked about that a long time ago, episode seven or so. But uh, so then we'll move on to a little bit different product, which is going to be the triple Q. I, I like to call it just the Qs. Um, but so the ticker for that is QQQ. And all that is, is it's an actual ETF that mimics the, uh, the movement of NASDAQ. That way you can trade it. Um, and then, if we move on to the XLK, it's another ETF, but it actually sort of mimics more this entire sector instead of just the companies that qualified for the NASDAQ. Uh, so that's the difference. You know, like Everson was talking about, your NASDAQ is basically your top uh, tech stocks. And then you move on to more uh, the entire sector, which would be your XLK. Those are a spider fund for you uh, home gamers there. Yeah. yeah, so it's a it's a way to invest and have exposure to the tech stocks, but each of them has a different uh, holdings. Like, so you can for all the ETFs, if you go into like the prospectus, you'll see what their strategy is, and if you look at uh, online in your brokerage account or or anything often you'll see what their holdings are so you don't necessarily want to like just copy what they're doing but you can have an idea of like what they're investing in which companies and also in which proportion because sometimes you look at one etf and one company really dominates it so then you know it's too specialized if that's not the strategy you're looking for well then you might want to look at another one 
like XLE, for example, just to go back to something different, but it's kind of dominated by two companies as opposed to the other ones have like two, 3% each. So yeah, you have exposure to a wide range of companies, but just look and see if that actually follows what you're looking to do. So guys, before we wrap up, um, you both have a mentoring program and I'm always excited. I've learned so much on this show, just talk, and also like off this show when we text message. So why don't you both tell us a little bit about your mentoring program? Because you both have open spots right now. So why don't we start with Everson? I mean, I, you've shown me some of your results with your students. I mean, it's really impressive. So how can people reach you and like, what, uh, what do you offer? Well, so I, I help people with uh, financial stability. So if the stock market and also to be able to get into the stock market. So I'll teach up to a level two of the uh, stock market. So we'll get into options and everything. And I kind of guide you all along the way. Now, keep in mind that I don't, I don't do a recommendation of any particular stocks. I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'll tell you what my opinions would be about a stock, maybe as much as that much, but I will, I will never tell you as one of my mentees, um, that you should be getting into the stock and you should buy now at this price and so on. So but you show said, them, you show them your strategies and now you do it and you kind of help them understand how you would approach it. I don't give them a fish. I teach them how to fish. That's so very powerful. So when, when working with uh, a potential client, um, I don't just accept anybody. Uh, you need to be focused and you need to be flexible. Um, and, what, I, what I'm looking for is not only that flexible and focusedness, but the determination that you have and that drive that you have, um, because I don't want to cheat anyone out of their finances. And I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to keep, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste other people's time also. So uh, with that being said, uh, yeah, I do have a program. Um, I, I just have limited spots available, but uh, we work from anywhere from if you don't, if you don't have any money at all, but maybe even you're in debt, I'll help you to be able to create a plan where you can get yourself out of debt uh, and move forward into profitability. Uh, and then maybe even taking the next step if, you know, I've, I've had clients where uh, some of them were in debt. I had clients where some of them were in no debt, but weren't in stocks. They wanted to learn about stocks. And then I have some clients that only want to work on learning about stocks. And so there's a value that's particular and that's suited for and constructed for each individual. And so the, the curriculum is sort of up in the air as far as how I would uh, develop the right strategy, but it's up in the air because it's particular, particularly conformed to that individual. So I really try to engage with the individual and we work at a pace that's comfortable for them, but I, I'm not going to lie if, it, you know, we're at a point where I feel that you need to be in stocks, that you, you have the opportunity and I, I determined that, you know, get in and let's get in and let's make money. But uh, <laughs> let's I, make I money. Know. That's a good make advice. Money, make money or get rid of debt in one way or another. But that's what I do. I'm a financial coach. How can people reach wow. you if they're interested? Oh, thanks. So you can go ahead and just comment below. Um, I don't. I have my personal number. I don't really want to give my personal number out on, uh, on YouTube. Um, it doesn't even give comment. it to me. <laughs> yeah. Or you can, um, or you can reach me at, uh, what is it? 
reach, reach out to me in my personal uh, Instagram. It's Kaui for life. K-A-U-I, uh, the number four life. L-I-F-F. All right, we'll put that in the description. And what about you, Max? Eurytics, just to give a little testimonial, I've adopted a lot of my strategies based on some of the strategies that Max was using. Of course, like we're not trading exactly the same way, but a lot of my income producing like weekly strategies I've taken from Max. And if I had known some of these strategies before, I would have made more money and lost less money. So Max, little testimonial and one of your ambassadors, wow. tell us a little bit about your course. Uh, well, well, not your course, but that. your mentoring program. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for saying that, you know, it means a lot and it's been quite a journey. It was a lot of fun. But my mentoring program, we basically start with a 30-minute um, free consultation. You can access that at Calendly, C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y dot com forward slash Max, M-A-X, Hadwin, H-A-D-W-I-N. You'll be able to schedule that free consultation. We'll go over your knowledge, what kind of um, uh, returns you're making per month. And so the entire program is based to take you from 1% a month up to 10 to 15%, depending on how quickly you learn and how deep the rabbit hole you want to get. And so it's, it's basically just a uh, one hour a week class where we go over the next topic to get you to the next um, level and increase your monthly return on investment. So go ahead and schedule that at calendly.com forward slash Max Hadwin, 30 minutes for free. And uh, we'll see where we, where we can go from there. So you Excuse take mine. From beginners to advanced, right? Yes. Uh, now, if we get uh, more advanced, uh, if you want to get into the top strategies, then uh, it's more like a three-day weekend where we're actually face-to-face. -face. We're spending a lot of time, and I take you into the most intense, most profitable strategies in the world. Keep in mind that what Max and I do are very, very similar. And if not, it's uh, at the stock side, it's probably the same thing. Max has a specialty in being able to do charts. Um, I have a special, you know, special ability to be able to just feel out the market. So I look not only on the charts perspective, um, but I, I look at, you know, uh, really being able to feel that next move. In any case, we work together as a team. So there may be some type of collaboration when it comes to individual stock research. So uh, this is a team. Uh, this is our team. And uh, although, you know, you may seek coaching under under Max or myself individually. At some point, we probably agreed the same knowledge. I mean, not to toot our own horn, but as I mentioned before, like this is our mastermind. Everson, I talked about the company Plantronics. You made pretty good money about it, and you like did you? Is that a stock that. that you? Is that a stock <laughs> that you had looked into before? Not really, I no, don't think. Uh, and I brought it, it to your attention, and you made tons yeah. of money with it. We constantly, we constantly do this where uh, Patrick or Max, uh, they might make a suggestion to the week and I'll be, I'll be like, no, uh, you know, we'll be like, no, no. And so Patrick did do that. He, he, he brought a, a PLT and he showed me a PLT and I, I looked at it. I was like, oh, interesting, maybe. And I waited a couple of days, I remember. And it was like closer to the end of the week that I was like, oh, all right, I, I'm going to test this out. I mean, I started looking at the statistics and everything like that. And I was like, I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> so I just <laughs> gave it a shot. It worked out. I mean, it's nice. There you go. So yeah, when you guys joined their Thank you. Just added bonus. When you guys joined their uh, coaching, 
like another bonus is that you get this group think like collaboration thing and i think that's very powerful i think these guys are actually underselling because it's an amazing value so guys thank you for being with us this week i really appreciate you please like and subscribe leave a comment we love your questions that's personally my favorite part of the show so keep the questions coming everson max thank you for being amazing co-host we'll thank see you. you guys next week hey uh, just before you guys leave um also hit the bell button that you see on youtube if you're looking at this on youtube hit the bell button so you know when we post a new uh, notification or hit, post a hit new... the bell button, but ever since stop ruining my outro, it was perfect. <laughs> was See you guys next week. <laughs> All right, guys. Aloha.